आगी 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 Artscape is produced on the traditional Coast Salish territories of the Songhees, Lekwungen-speaking peoples, and the Wasanic Senecoten-speaking peoples. Artscape is a production of CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria and is made possible with the generous support from the BC Arts Council. Now in its third season, Artscape seeks to investigate the diverse arts and cultural landscape around us. This episode is produced by Adam Cantor and explores. This is a podcast. It's about mental health and mostly like 85% of it is talking. I'm not singing right now. You're hallucinating now. It's the podcast about art and mental health. Yeah. So today on our podcast, we will have people who do art, people who have mental health problems. It's a real surprise. It's a shocker. It's the same person. We're going to have somebody who has both. It's surprising that actually every single artist that I contacted had a mental health issue that they were dealing with. It was a really weird coincidence for this podcast. My name is Adam. Let's do an index. Okay. Do Do you know what a radio index is like? What's it like? Check this out. Okay, I'm going to throw this out. Today on Artscape, we will be discussing mental health and how it affects a sculptor named Rodudio. <laughs> the feeling of having a bipolar episode during a Vernie Sage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Inspiration. Uh, it, it, is schizophrenia a curse or a plague? <laughs> today, today on Artscape On Netscape Today on Netscape Navigator 2.0 On Artscape 2017 We're going to meet a man in a gold cowboy suit That I met on a metro station platform Who says he can beat Roger Federer in tennis Just by using his mental focus And he also claims he lives in a tree in Park Jari On Artscape 2017 Who's the craziest artist that you know? (laughs) Who's the artiest crazy that you know? I know so many arty crazies. Yeah. Okay, so I have a... I have a question. They they have that one with those two women talking to each other. They're news reporting. It's really amazing. But now it's like there's a bunch of... There's a love and radio... Yeah, and everything that the CBC does, it's like, we're here in Nova Scotia, and then they just insert some seagull noises and boats and whatnot. So, how are you? Yeah, they do. It's like, it's so super, how are you? super cheesy. I don't really it, like yeah, that question. They're cheesing it up a little bit, but I, I feel like... Do you like want to know why I don't like that question? Yeah, I want to know why you don't like that question. It actually has to do with mental health. I think that a lot of the times when people ask you how you are, they don't really want to know, per se. And they think that that question is really loaded when you have a lot of grief and sadness. And I think that when, if your answer isn't like, great, fine, well, then people feel really uncomfortable. I think the, so the general topics to are the general topic is art and not and, uh, the answer. Or mental fine, health. great, well. And there's two so back in the sixties and seventies, I guess, the people who were coming out of the mental health artist complex and their mental health, which is sometimes a, for whatever reason, whether they've been going to therapy or had been incarcerated in a mental marketing health prison or something. The, the stock answer was always sad. I'm doing much better. I've been trying to stop myself from saying good, fine, well, because I think that it's really important for me to have honesty and intimacy in my life. And I think that how art can really be therapeutic. Help people get That's back missing from for me, the places so I'm trying to cultivate it, and yeah. part of that is and in the honoring that place. 
How do you feel about uh, for example, you if you destroy to. the demons in somebody, are they still going to be making? I think that that's a lot of people don't want to be fixed. That's definitely like a good move fixed, because be you can you avoid having stuff. to talk about it and so those are some of the bring some lightness or humor to the situation but I also think it's but I don't really have any specific could questions. be just a way to, to not invite intimacy in I, I really get what you're saying with the terms of the mythology uh, the challenge that we have as human beings is we want to make that which is inherently extraordinarily complex and simple so, so our, our brain works in such a way that we want to slough off all of the, the stuff on the outsides and try and keep it simple and to try and keep it the same. And so art, at some level, is all about seeing that stuff that we slough off. And then we turn around and we call that madness, when really it's just being human. For me, for me particularly, I really like eccentrics because eccentricity yeah. is, is what gives us color um, and it moves us out of, from that, that if people the, would initially the, view me as eccentric um, but I, say, I think it, I have my definite quirks. the demonology um, of centrism I've always grown up we all have to be the same wanting to be eccentric be if that makes any sense when we live I in a, a dualistic reality really we're fighting family friends. sameness um, we're fighting so to be the same then we're fighting to not be the same. My grandmother's house and so next door it's an interesting, house. there's an interesting um, set of questions that you've just asked there. The mythology, with, uh, for example, any number of, uh, mythology is extraordinarily useful for us as human beings because we're storytellers. And yet the mythology you are talking about is, in some fashion, I suspect that you are talking about is that in some fashion, to mythologize Van Gogh for chopping off his ear, somehow is a marketing ploy. And there's there's some some But yeah, it was kind of this open door house. But Van Gogh didn't give a shit about marketing. Where people knew they were welcome in the community. They would just stop by. It was like, we always called it, it's kind of similar to Seinfeld, where the door would just burst open at any given moment, and this total wacko would come in and just start talking and be expected, or, and would expect to be welcome there. Um, Often they were. I have thought about okay, this stick the kettle on, Bernie's over, okay. Uh, so with the colors right now, I really feel when I walk into space, a glitch on her computer, meanwhile, if for me, it conveys a real earthiness to it, a real grounded sense. There's, all these hilarious, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, it's almost generally kind of anime like well. hippie colored. Um, yeah. There's in his big booming voice, that are kind of almost seven feet tall, and walking with um, two canes. Yeah, it's a bit rustic. Kind of there's funny, kind of gnarly teeth, wooded and, materials uh, that that merge just and this hilarious with this dude with and yeah, big booming when I'm voice working with my clients, and even when I'm just um, cat taking over Tokyo, I work from Tokyo. a somatic. Um, practice and effectively what that means is um, I've been trained to hold space with people that while listening to the story because we all have stories um, I invite people to pay attention to track notice and attune the sensations in their body so if your heart is going a million miles a minute or if your toes are feeling numb or if you're feeling a lot of heat or temperature on your face, those are cues of what the body has remembered and what the body knows. And the more we come into contact with that and move that energy, the more um, I have actually seen and felt people reach states of healing that they've never before have been able to in just traditional talk therapy. I, there are certain times, how about this, a serious mental health problem is where it's like you wish Looking back on it, you wish there was an institution that wasn't a trap like that, that didn't have all the negative aspects. It was actually, let's say, the idealization of what a mental institution could be, where it's this place where you could come in and out when you needed support, and it was really good, and there was, there was health there, and there was drugs that didn't have side effects or something, you know, like just an impossible idealization, right? And, but obviously you would need to go there, and it wouldn't be great, it would just be like, what you needed and I, I definitely needed help at that time though the, though the type of help I needed probably doesn't really exist so I want to say that how about that what do you think of that I want to acknowledge your point and I also want to say before I acknowledge it fully that the flip side of what I just said is that uh, 
I don't want to come across like a conspiracy theorist and say that all the doctors and mental health institutions are just conspiring to screw people up and put them on drugs or imprison them in there against their will because there definitely are people who have issues and are in pain mentally and need some kind of support or assistance. I wish that I had that service at certain times in my life. I wish I had like, you know, I wish there was a place for me to go that wasn't scary. I mean, unfortunately at the times that I needed it, I didn't have an outside community that would have taken me for bat and got me out of there. Because you really need someone out. Once you go in, it's hard on your own volition to get yourself out. You need other people who are really going to like hire lawyers and get you out of there, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And so that's another reason why I didn't go. Even though I suffer from catatonic depression, it's because I know that I didn't have an outside community that was able to find and had a financial power to like get me out of there if I need to. I've seen. Yeah. The other thing is, I mean, there's, you raise a very fine point that there is a correlation between being trapped in there and being in a position of poverty or powerlessness against the machinery of the state and so on. So, yeah. A lot of times when you're talking about artists since we're talking about artists they could be in a position because of the fact that different uh, things and art pays too well art pays way too well well it, it does for some people but that's not only singling out artists because there's so many people who are were all not artists but they're just yeah, working people who are in a artists, similar situation with mental health if they even get that far yeah. because I mean the one thing that artists the may that I have, have is now, that they I do they also endlessly and severely struggle relentlessly talk about mental their health feelings issues and, and I think it's uh, kind of explore in ways I mean part of creating art is expressing your feelings either constructively or non-constructively through it's, whatever you create I wonder sometimes if sort of you know the notion of being an artist is always kind of questioning and looking at things that you don't want to look at and kind of denying that notion of ignorance is bliss because sometimes with when you're have a tendency towards being a creative individual you can look at the darkness of life and sometimes that can be overwhelming and lead to yeah, hard times well even further I would I would say not only defending yourself but asserting yourself again asserting yourself with others um, you know as you bring up the word boundaries that to me is probably the the most fundamental thing that comes up when uh, when I'm working with someone and when well, I'm constantly setting boundaries in my own life to welcome in the type of energy that I want. And I was just having this conversation with someone this weekend where we were talking about that person's dear friend who happens to just continually have bad shit happen to her all the time. And, you know, it's from like one kind of medical emergency to somebody disappointing to her to her being ripped off or stolen from after another and it just invoked in me this question of like I meet many people both in my work and in my own life who uh, display the same level of you could call it um, unluckiness or you could call it um, you know difficulty or challenge in their life and when I at least look at it in a consistent pattern I do start to wonder to what level are are is that person, or if it was myself, inviting that energy into their life? To what sense are we not creating a boundary and assertive life that welcomes in love that is reflective of the kind of people that we are? And that starts with healthy boundaries, that starts with asserting yourself, that starts with setting things up uh, when people aren't relating to you uh, in a way that is you know, positive or affirming, um, stating that this is unacceptable and this relationship's not going to continue until you do that, that is a really hard thing to say and that requires a lot of work. But it's 
it's something that's crucial in changing the pattern that has happened to me. Um, and it's an incredibly challenging thing to, um, to come to with somebody else without putting them into a shame state, without being like, hey, it's your fault that all this bad crap is happening to you. No, it's not your fault, but maybe conditions in your life have led you to uh, not know how to express boundaries, to be unsure of how to express boundaries to other people. And what I'd like to help you to do is to see the pattern and then find ways to invite in more good energy because you are deserving of of light. You are deserving of um, acceptance and love. And, and it hurts me to see you hurting. Right, and not to not to put too dark a point on it, but uh, um, setting those boundaries with people who are spiraling in that way uh, can include having them die on you because of the fact that you have to say, well, I think that you're going to die and I don't know that I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. So it's, it's not really, a, it can, you know, the, the severity of it can be quite strong. It really can. Considered to be a, a death to be a strong thing. It can be really, you know, very difficult. So as you say, it's not the easiest thing in the world to deal with that sort of stuff. Yeah, you're really spot on about that. I, I came into contact with that, uh, that exact conversation many times as it's working on the crisis lines um, people were calling in and and often it was people who were supporting people who were extremely suicidal or who were engaging in self-harm and they were feeling overwhelmed and stuck and just like so pulled on in that caregiver state and they were like well I can't not take the phone call I have to take the phone call um, because if they don't it's my fault they died and to which, you know, as a, as a clinician, as someone who cares about the well-being of who I'm talking about, I have to find a way to navigate and say, your sense of security and safety and self-worth is also important. And some things are too overwhelming for you to take on, which sometimes means we have to say that impossible thing, such as, I can't be your support or your caregiving in in these calls of crisis. I am not trained to do this work. I love you, I want you to live, and I need you to seek help in another way, which like, which is completely crippling to say, uh, and so important. Um, yeah, well, there's this whole notion of the transmission of affect and how uh, certain pain can move through a whole chain of people in different ways and uh, I mean so we could talk about intergenerational trauma Mm. as one but then there's also like trauma in one generation so if you're caring for somebody Uh, who is in that cycle of addiction or suicidal behavior or whatever obviously the pain or whatever they radiate and can't deal with all goes on to another person they use that person to draw that to be able to deal with it unless suck the energy out of that person and that person's violent to you or whoever and take the energy out of you trying to anyway he's in that in between place so there's nothing to do with it so it's an interesting to put a block in that corollary there was nothing to deal with this this father way back in the 1850s so they built him another house here we are in 2017. There's nothing to deal with this guy. It spreads out. It's an interesting situation. We we don't know how to deal with madness very easily. No, it doesn't fit in well to the advance and progress and productivity and so on to be doing that kind of thing. When the person at the center of it actually does die, there's this. But that's how it goes for artists as well. Art. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. Um, artists, I mean, artists themselves generally don't know how to, how to exploit themselves. I mean, that's almost oxymoronic in some sense, but most artists aren't very good at selling their products, selling their art. That's not their forte. That's not their skill set. Bateman over on Salt Spring Island. I can, I, the artistic community kind of reviled him because he started becoming so commercially successful. And they said, well, he's not a real artist now. 
he's an extraordinary artist just because he is successful successfully marketing his product his art doesn't somehow suddenly mean that he's no longer an artist there then so there's that there's there's two kinds of or multiple kinds of perceptions that folks have about who an artist is supposed to be and how they're supposed to suffer so it's not just the exploiters it's so the artists themselves yeah, and I suppose the thing is, from the perspective of the artists who are being really catty about it, there's this sense that the art has to somehow be a little bit socially disruptive. Or you have to suffer. You have to suffer and you also have to challenge people to become a little uncomfortable with what you're doing or move out of the realm of what's conventional and expected or what makes people happy in order to make something that will make people feel complicated or have complicated uh, reactions to what you're doing. Are Hollywood movies? And I agree with storytelling. Yeah, I don't know if I can answer that question, but... Well, that's, I mean, to me, that's the other end of the starving artist thing is these multi-billionaires who are producing these epics that are, at some level, artistic creations, huge artistic creations. Why are they not art? Or maybe they are art. Say you don't Just because there's money attached to them doesn't necessarily mean that they're not artistic. Um, you know Spike Jones. Yeah, I mean, the final answer is really, for me, that it's it depends on who's looking at it. Whether they feel that it's art or not. So, I mean, from my own personal perspective, the reason I don't necessarily have any Robert Bateman pictures of foxes jumping out of the snow or whatever in my house is that... Uh, but right, that's who I was would say okay, there's so other like things that right now leave me thinking about them after the fact and wondering about them for a long time themselves and so I can think of some movies that I saw when I was a kid or quite young and maybe I just saw it once but I still think about it to this day and try to wonder try to figure out what was going on in that or when I think about the art I'm still confused by the subject of their and remember the images but don't totally understand what happened and it changes in my mind as I think of more aspects of it and then there are other ones that I've seen last week and I can't remember the plot at all or remember the characters and then I think it's different I watched the movie again a year later and I can't remember whether I've seen it before or not and it seems somehow familiar but also just like every other movie so it's partially a function of aging when you're young and inexperienced experiences fresher and bolder and brighter and more influential and as you age and become more and more experienced it's not it no longer is as fresh and therefore as demonstrative or as palpable for you that's part of the challenge well thank you for reminding me of my own mortality there um, they may never actually but it's also an aspect of the music they just have this sense of me those moves that maybe kind of all these different pieces of different horns and that's what you call it now you're five years old the brand of Play them so professionally. He's like, yeah, he's kind of a character of himself. Right, but I don't think he was actually trying to nurture that. It's just but he made a bunch of these three things. And then he had a television series around wartime when they wanted to kind of entertain people alive to get their minds off of the crazy stuff that was happening. And so he got this essentially a very large. Clown band people, together. I mean, um, some just focus on professional musicians who also were very eccentric. And like every musician no kind of had a weird skill that they could offer, that. such as. Uh, it's so valid. Oh, yeah, it's still valid. Either sure. kind of a, and, uh, a clowny thing, I mean, or really good dressing in drag, speaking like a woman, quite or. A while. I guess since uh, the 80s, right? And uh, acting like a chicken, just simple wow, things. Just such, and each guy such in the fascinating band work and such uh, featured in every show. Um, and they would put these variety interesting shows together. Interesting ways. And we're just bam, 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 one thing after the other. Just taking Meanwhile, herself and her own image and playing with it and messing with it. And supposedly she's, I haven't really seen the feed myself, but supposedly she's been doing really interesting things on Instagram. Most, most shows, I'm, this guy yeah, Two do you want to say anything on that feed? Because I haven't really looked at it, but I heard it was pretty cool. And rub them together as if he's playing a fiddle. And he, 
It would make this yeah, it's just a continuation of what I would say is her life's kind of sound. Work. And it, it was this whistle Which that he had inside his mouth, but you can't see it. So it just looks like he's playing these two, herself two sticks in a of ways, kind of like how so Madonna has stick been would doing fall down. Go, and that was one of the gags, and then he would run off, yeah, start playing yeah. the trombone so or whatever he was playing. And then drifting all over the some place other thing, grand piano would roll there, in, and there would be there tap dancing on the piano, whatever. And then Spike Jones would do his things on his percussion devices with his horns and whatnot, and bells and shotguns. He would just always have these shotguns going off, and it was just total chaos and nuts things. But he made this amazing music, and he would kind of cover these old songs, um, like Cocktails for Two, uh, in these hilarious ways with sound effects and gunshots and clinking of glasses. It permanent installation. But it was, I was trying to remember what the t-shirt said, there was said, war happening, and it was a really powerful piece. You know, and I just remember thinking, wow, he was creating because this it, it over-the-top, right mad, mad, weird, weird music. Right to the center uh, of of it all. Which crazy scene I mean, on television the Spike back Jones show. We were talking about with, like, and it was just great because he could go totally batshit crazy on, on television and it was totally accepted at that time because people kind of just were craving the, anything. The grand kind of like, narrative. Anything entertaining that would kind of take their mind off of the current state of anyway, chaos so that was happening in the world. I want to um, reel myself back. But, reel back in. Yeah, he would do things like, and this is my upbringing. My father really loved Spike Jones, and so he always wanted to hear his sound. Yeah, just just hypothetically. hypothetically. (laughs) So it's like if you say, um, if you say I want to, things like that. Talk about <laughs> really Tell me something about uh, your family. The point is, if you're talking about relatives of yours, you have the advantage of, of, yeah, of a whole stretch of time knowing the adult circumstances and situations in your life. Yeah, I think it's sex. So, art. Yeah, art. Fucking is great. You are with people. You are creating. But man, yeah, he's one of my favorite you, mad artists. But do you want to elaborate on that some more? <laughs> sure. That's not really a fair impression. That's interesting point. I mean, we all stem from there the most crudest way. People, and also I'll keep it general, because there's some major ways through producing these days, but we come from people producing with each other in some form or another. And that configuration, you know, whether it's two partners and also another person who is going to carry the child or someone who is completely unknown or a single parent or just even, I guess, putting in hardly creating a turkey-based kind of situation where she don't really know where anything is kind of coming from. There is a beautiful richness and a beautiful chaos to that that creates life. Um, I think there's no nothing more artistic because there really weren't any opportunities for women. No, to do the kind of things that she was capable of doing, but my, according to my mother anyway, which I also believe, she could have been, I mean, she could have been the head of a corporation, or she could have been, you know, yeah. she could have been the premier of a province or something like that. Like, she had, she had really powerful rhetorical skills and just an amazing mind. Yeah. But, um, just like Christy Clark. Yeah, probably, probably, yeah. or any of those people like that. I mean, after you could say that you don't like their politics or their choices, but you can't, you can't able deny that they obviously have a baby. It still has to go through all our graded, while playing politics. Otherwise, they wouldn't get to the positions there. So, like Kathleen's community, even Alison Redford, yeah, still Margaret Thatcher was yeah, it's all their physiological mechanisms that person. are absolutely um, fascinating. made a lot of money. Sometimes beyond the human scope that are so, really, uh, used to create. My grandmother was, uh, yeah, my grandmother is one of the founders of the National Ballet of Canada. 
Not nearly as scandalous as you were suggesting when you giggled about bringing it up. But so I mean, people talk about Celia Frank. It's a natural thing to talk about. I'm glad you brought it up because I've interviewed other grandmothers who haven't really talked about organizing and ruling over all the volunteers. Yeah. Sexuality and, uh, or I mean, Rudolf Nureyev, the famous Russian dancer, love, yeah. who defected, not that they have to be linked from Russia and can be actually happiness. My grandparents uh, more like when feels like a denial as uh, part of the uh, mental uh, health mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Had they only interested in great conversations about my art in a community, it was only 15 at the time. Oh, it doesn't have to be sexual or physical, but yeah, is that a bad thing? I can't say that on the podcast. It's not bad It's only speculative. I laugh at you Well, I mean, I don't know. Those were different what times. Reality, well, yeah, but real. yeah. And I don't have to share it nowadays necessarily, but maybe we do a little in new saliva at least. <laughs> but anyway, absolutely. everything that we say, I think about this a lot less than as a positive Speculative, not in artistic, nothing should be taken seriously. We're playing characters. I trust the process. I don't even know who my grandmother was. I never met her. True story, though, when I asked her why she was my grandmother. It's fair to say that. Um, you asked her why she was your grandmother. Well, I was a really little kid. I was trying to figure it out. I, mean, there's I was like, of, I know yeah, there's lots of different worlds. Like I come I over here all the time. Go down yeah. around this and topic. I get left here and that's, uh, uh, I mean, the processing that you're talking about as these things come up. The space that I enter into with many people, um, I mean, you are right in, in many sense. I spend a lot of time thinking about a healthy sense of sexuality, which, you know, to be clear, when people hear that, they're it's like two bodies and they're coming together and it's sex and it's raw and um, yeah, she said it right off. For some that evokes like, yeah, the well, what happens is there was of the, guilt, the, the but for me, healthy sexuality is about creating um, a sense of empowerment to this within itself, knowing how to relate from the inside out and outside. We repackage um, how to be stories <laughs> like so I just beginning of the boundaries, how to sensuality and contact with people, how to love your body, Reality that that when consistent with when we stretch the interaction beyond that acceptability, um, we can't comprehend it. And so, when I'm working I, I with specifically clients of schizophrenics who are sexuality, creating this alternative reality, this alternate universe, when I'm bringing these are things up, are capable many of sort of grasping it because it's outside uh, the, first time, the, the realms of their possibility. It can um, so be art, shocking. Art in itself, it can be to some degree, can be constrained. Which there is needs to, at least on my part, I, be a conscious effort of creating time to push those barriers for those things to happen for the world. Now, how do you how do you get to see something and for us to kind of that you're not capable of seeing? Maybe only the artist is within sort of this optimal level of yes, of, uh, and also of, I mean, it may not matter whether you see the same thing as the artist or not. It's not. I, I agree. What I what I am so, saying um, is that for me, that art the thing that I was is about, about moving your your perspective, changing somehow the way you see reality, the way you apprehend reality, having a difference in how you engage, making a difference in some fashion. Otherwise, we just paint the wall taupe or eggshell. And it makes no change in our life whatsoever. Right. And that may be the case for you or me, but somebody else may find the eggshell to be an extremely moving yeah, change. Is it art? You see what I'm saying? Like, is it, is it art? We don't know. And does it, uh, does it have narrativity, as they say? I don't know the answer to that either. Blues songs or... It's certainly, it's certainly sociological, like but just because it's sociological doesn't necessarily mean it's art. At my old apartment in the bathroom, there was a, they had changed the vanity, and, but not fixed the wall in the gap that was left there, and so behind the vanity there were three or four different levels of wall view. I don't want to get down to the different layers of I took some pieces yeah. of living I mean, is it back to you and isn't I know that just it's really not like round that it is it can be for 
a bit me that wakes up with something for it sure. Was, but it was not like that. It was telling the story. It's not like you're walking around with rocks on your back for the rest of your life. So I just want to say that I think it's possible. It's harder to just have whatever they call it, grayish. But yeah, it's actually there is that tongue-in-cheek way and like kind of unless the there's an artistic, a deliberate purpose to disquiet cover up things that is kind of uniformity. I used to play this game with my students to help them. This song that my roommate was working on with a piano student. I'm sure this will make sense to you, but I would say to them, give me any object that you have in your bag right now. Transcribe. And I'll tell you the entire story of human history that her student wanted to learn. I don't know the last I don't know either, but it's this song that's like. Let's talk about every aspect of where did plastic come from. What's the story of plastic? How did this plastic get here? Did it come on a ship? And where was the plastic and made? It's actually, like, and plastic she wanted it for piano. It Let's talk about very difficult to transcribe this, like, improv guy with no cording in the background. Weird. You know, very hard to transpose. Anyway, it was funny. Uh, but I was listening over and over while she was trying to transcribe this. Um, this guy just being like, I don't know why you're so cold to me. Like, come on, baby, just cheer up. Come on, let's get through this. And I'm just like, why are you writing a song about it? Why don't you just like talk to your girlfriend or something instead of, <laughs> instead of being like, I'm just going to go in my room and sing a song about it and wonder about it and then release a song. But I'm not actually going to communicate with this person <laughs> about it. I'm just gonna be, feel sorry for myself. So I thought it would be kind of a funny thing to turn that song into like, I don't understand why you're so cold to me. Maybe it's because I never communicate with you. <laughs> Maybe it's because, I don't know. Maybe it's because I got super drunk last night. <laughs> and I came home too late, but I didn't talk to you about it, so I'm gonna just sit here and write the song. But yeah, I don't know, stuff like that bothers me. All these guys just like, come on, baby, what's wrong with you? Like, why don't you just ask her instead of writing a stupid song? <laughs> but I guess whatever inspiration takes. Uh, of what I was talking about. Not only that, but there's some that I don't even whole, understand. The whole way in which I They're look in at the world, society as a whole, global politics, everything instance, changed used to be this song, uh, because of that whole thing. Even the night saw thing. better. Thing that in 8,000, if our current growth, I was like, what do you, what do you mean population, even the nights are better? Like, like the overall, be like our, our, the complex number, not the simple, like, like, oh yeah, I was expecting our long-term trajectory to be amazing. at the linear, that's really what I Continues to go the way it, it's it's planning to go, even though it's like 1.1 or something like that. It's actually not like a huge growth rate, but if it just continues the way in which it's going, it compounds every year, even though it's just 1.1% growth or something like that. Uh, the uh, uh, or 1.1 times, sorry, not percent. Then in 8,000 years, which is an immeasurable amount of time. There will be okay. not enough particles not in the universe I could also to just make cut the human. I could bleep them. That we would need to keep our yeah. growth. Uh, We'd run out of particles. So what is your experience? Just have a crazy has, idea. The idea of just running out of podcast, matter in the universe to make human beings. That's a hard limit. That's like we're. That's that's the um, limit that we should just be like. All right. So at this maybe, point, maybe not. when we're so out of like uh, particles to make human beings, joy, and yeah. I'm not sure. You know, what do you feel about pro life? About. We had a really long like, argument. What are you gonna about, do? Uh, what are you gonna do? All the su- the sun is how many human beings? Every star in what the hell is he saying? Oh yeah, okay. So like, if yeah, human beings could just reproduce, like, you know what I mean? Like, what are you? What's your religious convictions at the rate that they're reproducing now? Then they would. Human beings would comprise all the matter in the universe in eight thousand years. Well. 
I mean, and then he was trying like to tell okay, me that this was this insane statistic that I should be concerned about. But I refused to be concerned about it, so we had a big fight about it. But that doesn't really cover the subject of art and madness. Oh yeah, totally, totally. No, that wouldn't happen. I guess there would have to be Mr. Neutrino or some shit over there. Yeah, so I just I mean, I understand that. I'm just saying it's a raw number. Like I don't understand how eccentric calculation. Sure. It's had a lot of weird health problems. I know, but like, like those you could start factoring stuff out in my art in certain ways. Because, but eight thousand um, years is a long time. It's sometimes but it's like, just it's physically difficult to do the stuff that I want to do. And, uh, or laid up and, uh, we we uh, have passed through eight thousand years. Yeah, I've written a lot of poems about and that. They think and there's even been farming. I've been trying to write a poem so every day. It's for crazy the to be like, year. oh, another eight thousand years. Since I've been feeling so bad, a lot of the poems are really like self-indulgent and bad. But rate of growth will be like old and plays. No, of course not. That's an absolute. No, but the whole the whole thing is that. Made the me want to is a false try to in the sense that work harder it's on sort it of like and not just be so lazy because I was in agonizing um, pain. You know, feel like using a pen. Yeah, I did. With libertarianism, for example, yeah. but, um, would work perfectly as a. System. It's really hard to it say. Really everybody. Sometimes I think about. I mean, I don't know if you watch much Japanese animation or anything like that, but yeah. people said the same thing about. There's all these crazy Japanese Okay, and I'm just wondering if whether that's a deer number one. Yeah. Yes, it may be. But then if those deer wanted yeah. to go on tour and yeah. visit other forests yeah. around the number world, two, I think that they, they would can't just say, "Oh, well, it would only mean but humans don't want to occupy the surface of planets. They don't want to travel around the world. They're, they're very content with where they are, being maximizing all of the matter that is present. But if they are suggesting that they're world-class deer, I'm suggesting they're not world-class deer because they're not ready to visit other forests. Side, I'm creating a whole other thing and saying, oh, that would only take four thousand years. Notion of world class. I see that as such a pejorative political statement from failing short-ass politicians. We're going to have a world-class world's fair. We're going to have a world-class baseball team. We're going to have a world-class Oh, it means it's the most superlative ever. I want to think that they are. Um, you're getting it. You're getting it. 
like, all right, well, let's take this line and let's take broken out of that same old rut. They become liberalized. They're now they're now attending institutions of higher education, wherein they get. I think that's fabulous. And and they have this smorgasbord of plants to eat that they're stretching beyond their conservative selves. And crossing at the crosswalks, which is pretty huge. But I mean, talk about adapting. I totally, talk about I moving totally into a new environment, experiencing new things. Ah, that's pretty amazing. If you just when you think about it. the rate at which humans were reproducing. But yeah. I have a lot of appreciation for. I have a lot of appreciation for woodshedding in so many ways, as they call it. Where people just yeah. go back and relentlessly practice human beings whatever they have the same until they get as very, very good that's at what I'm it. Saying. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. to me, it's not conservative. So that's all well and good, except that. I want you to be the, the best you can be. I don't, I don't, have, any, I don't have any issue with that. It doesn't matter what they exactly are or what the outcome is. What I'm saying is really appreciate you are presenting somebody as this kind of so much time and effort into an alarmist statistic. Yeah. Certain challenges. Yeah. As if to imply that this make would actually happen. Fascinating. <laughs> and taking that to Christians. So it really matter if yeah. deer were back in the forest. I mean, the well, point I'm is just, that... I'm giving... The, what I'm taking to Christians uh, is something that's absolutely Well, they're just... They're just conceptual Understandable. And it's like you can't possibly say... But they're very conservative deer if they have to be back in... Be they're they're being made out of things usual environment. They're not like, allowed that, out of their like usual all environment. all black matter or all the dark matter. No, but that's not, that's yeah. Not the point. I mean, yeah. perhaps you're right. You're, you're contrarian. The obvious answer is you're not going to come up with the metaphor one. part pretty well, <laughs> but. Conversation uh, one of the when key you asked tenets, me what I was, uh, I think that people I think that's an evolution uh, in fact, yeah, by the way. I think the don't sense of artistry don't want to know. Populations don't necessarily. I mean, the, the idea I mean, the of in evolution is that the artist is that uh, is internally every species has an capacity to feel really weird about it. And I think some people, but the problem is that they are hard time, they are limited resources. Expressing their emotions and so I mean, you could just as easily say, how long would it take earwigs to comprise the entire mass? Ability to express their emotions and some people have a hard time holding space for other people. Well, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, being able to witness them as they but I'm trying Speak to make an argument truth or whatever. But I think that there's something that shows healing about being witnessed and being able to speak your truth. I don't remember what it's called, but it is the one where I mean, whenever anyone has come to me with wanting to talk about their mental health, I really just try to listen and hold space for them and be a safe so here's the vastness of how space much and not try to offer so them it's a sense of uh, world class I know a way I mean, to fix it, it or a way to do it all this or that so just wow, try to like, be there really and be in the moment the with them as they with whatever they are feeling drama triangle which is the victim the rescuer and the perpetrator notion of how far which is like if someone's coming to you and you try to rescue them like that's that's what it's this called. is like okay. mental health 101 do not do basically do not try to rescue them do not make them feel like they are a victim do not perpetrate things right. onto so them that, if that they are coming to you to talk about something or blame them for what don't know has happened or whatever is the case Mm -hmm. um, because it's not, it can be re-traumatizing or it can be really upsetting, especially for folks that have mental health issues. It's like, or struggle with mental health in general. What would you say is the least constructive thing somebody's ever said to you when you approach them with your troubles? We say you're 80, 85% of the way there. It's that big a deal. Because if you don't know, you don't know. You can't work on anything. So if, you're, if you are unconsciously incompetent, it means you don't know. You shouldn't have worn that, or you shouldn't have drank so much. That you're incompetent. 
Everybody's the got different goals. Yeah, that's pretty crappy. I do whatever work I can do. Well, I feel like... And if people female bodies are targeted in that way, it's like, oh, if you didn't dress so sexy, then that thing that happened to you wouldn't have happened to you. That's just victim blaming straight up. Or like that whole notion of gaslighting. Like, you know, some you tell someone something and then they say, like, Oh, that didn't happen, or oh, you're crazy, or blah, 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 you know? So these are all the don't do's. The do do's. Let's talk about the things you can do. Because I feel like a lot of the times, we're going to get the exclusive from... Yeah. Like I think it's just really okay, important so to have those conversations about how ways in which we can support each other. Who has a little glass? I say, uh, I think it's yes, and so I want to paint pictures of to me people who are on that trajectory. Some press, I don't mean more compelling than people who are not on that trajectory. Because of viruses too, that would be kind of flailing away without their response with viruses. Is everybody an artist? Not this again. Um, tulips. Uh, tulips. So, I didn't really feel like trusting that person. After. I'm not sure the answer to that. Yeah, you know, that's for like sure. Very I, don't valid. Really, I think Flowers. everybody could be an artist. Uh, that kind of thing. And I also yeah. think that. Whoa. A person like doesn't whales. necessarily have oh, wow. to be like self-consciously yeah. making yeah. art to like, be an uh, artist. It's like shock artist. I, thought, uh, I don't know if everybody is an artist or not. It's probably a coping mechanism for them. It's a similar question, too. Is everybody insane? their boundaries in a appropriate way. I think the thing is that notions of sanity and insanity are, are pretty bizarre, frankly. So, yeah, I, I could give everybody insanity. And it depends. Easily done. I mean, we live in an illusion. Folks buy the illusion as reality. It hasn't been, well, the vast majority of human beings until they get through that. Yeah, I was going to tell you We make meanings with our, with our, our brain. If we want to use, get it down to the electrochemical... Kind of capacity that I'm interested we, we to know some of the ways five that inputs through our eyes, our, our nose, our mouth, our feelings, and our ears, think and then the brain like works around with them and says that's people reality. who have mental you ask health a butterfly issues who sees and are in creative. The ultraviolet range whether or not individuals can be supported or get supported. Yeah, or talk to elephants. No, you can't talk to elephants. Not because you don't I know think their that, languages, because um, you can't hear them talking. Because their voices are below our audio people range. need and I to go on and on and on about all the phenomena out people there who are creative quote, that we can't apprehend have creative inclinations that's such a broad term I don't our illusion persuades us that we know what reality is for the sake so of yeah that's to me is the definition of insanity I mean when I was a TA at York University I was given this one thing is it in do my office when you have artistic tendencies or whatever you're into art you want to make art you feel driven to create art the first thing that happens is you're 85% likely that you're going to be derided by your family and you know told that what you're doing is not practical or realistic and so on and so forth, you know. So it's good to have a, it's good to have some kind of nurturing environment. Other people who are into the same thing as you're into or understand it on the same level that you do because there's a big sense of like artists not really taking life seriously or being leeches or just like being immature or not being realistic about the way that the world works, not being taken seriously, uh, being pushed around, being teased, you know, that sort of thing. Would, would you agree with what I'm saying? Uh, so that, Definitely. That, that is part of the mental health dilemma, but I think a lot of that can be helped by having like-minded people 
because not only do you draw from them creatively and help to grow your ideas in, a, in an environment that the, the sharing and bouncing back and forth is just so incredibly helpful and constructive. Um, it can also be really catty, but it can also be that can also be good, because one way or another you're compelled to to improve. And I think that it, also if you're getting positive feedback from people as opposed to just not sycophantic feedback, but people saying I challenge you to, to do better and be better than what you're doing, that's really great. And I just think that having friends and people who are watching out for you and understanding what you're going through can help a lot because it's like, wow, I understand why you're getting depressed or how you're getting depressed in the way you are because I also have those feelings myself and I I share them and I go through the same things that you do. And and I mean, as you know, it's not a it's not a guarantee that you can save somebody's life that way because you still lose people. But also, I mean, there's uh, I can think of occasions when people were really depressed or lost or whatever that I know or you know or we both knew, and it was sort of like you saw they were going that way, and then people reached out to them or kind of created a net for them to fall into and just like we're with them in moments when they were really down and then those people are still around and they're they're doing better now and so it's uh yeah sometimes you you just can't stop somebody who's intent on on taking themselves out of the world but other times you can so to me that community environment is really helpful because these you're surrounded by people who don't get it and aren't going to be constructive and are really going to just shit on you. I don't allow those types of people into my circle. I appreciate that, but you just meet them inevitably, no matter what you're doing. So yeah. it's like you have to you have to have some kind of support group, but you also have to develop a little bit of armor as well and the thickness of that armor can vary greatly so maybe my armor is pretty thick sometimes people say that it's hard to see inside of me and know what's going on in there yeah so I think can I share some advice share I my some of my thoughts on how to support people with mental health is to shut the fuck up and don't talk and just listen and if you want to talk then you do what I just did which is would it be okay if I like shared something and if they say no, you are okay with that answer. Yeah, I just, I love that idea of thinking about self-love in relationship with being lovable. Um, you know, the idea of being lovable to me conveys being in relationship with others. And that's not like being in a partnership, but I'm talking about like relating to other people by walking this earth with others. Um, being lovable is somebody else or something else in nature seeing the light that you are and reflecting that and maybe expressing that to you and validating you and affirming your existence which is a beautiful thing and self-love of course is going to well i say of course maybe hopefully will be enhanced by feeling that level of lovability that's affirmed uh, throughout and of course, your level of lovability is going to be enhanced by the more self-love that you can continue to tap into. So it's a constant process of um, finding the balance between doing the work to see your inner beauty and your inner light and your inner love and expressing that with others and giving others the opportunity to affirm your love and existence and having that kind of circle nicely.
I'd like to thank the following guests. S is a local artist, raconteur, and actor. K is a local artist and musician. T is a mental health counselor at Esquimalt. G is a mental health counselor in Victoria, BC. K is a local artist and curator, as well as a program director at a local radio station. Executive producer, Katie Sage. Producer, Adam Cantor. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe to Artscape and leave a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Artscape has been made possible with the generous support from the BC Art Council. All music written and produced by General Gruff and available on woodshoprecords.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening.